Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Elisa James began her performance career at 12 in Australia as a cast member of Johnny Young Talent School's performance troupe, Young Company and became a full-time actor, singer, and entertainer at 15 years old. She's lived in Amsterdam and performed all over Europe. She's lived in and performed all over the USA, doing musical theatre and acting in film and TV until 2004 when she returned to live in Australia. Since her return to her homeland, Elisa completed her second master's degree, this time in voice production, and opened the High Performance Voice Academy in 2016. Elisa still performs and has just returned from an Australian tour of Menopause the Musical. Elisa presents workshops on voice care and maintenance, as well as one-on-one training for VIP clients. So welcome, Elisa, to the Presentation Boss podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. I know I've just read your bio, but could you please tell us a little bit about your background and what you do now in your own words? Yes. What is written in between the lines of the bio Yes. Actually, <laughs> your mission in the bio is actually the fact that even though I had a 30-year-plus career in musical theatre and entertainment and acting and singing and presenting and performing, all those things that required me to be on stage and on camera, in the background there was running a really shy, really anxious, really insecure blueprint of a little girl that just wanted to do something bigger with her life. So this has been a huge theme for me and that's why I wrote books and just designed courses and trainings for people because I didn't want people to go through the same types of insecurities, anxiousness and anxiety that I did as I was growing up and living all of that. I was literally living my dream but I had still a lot of anxiety and nervousness going on behind the scenes. And so that eventually created a lot of issues for me, tension patterns. Mostly tension patterns is how it manifests. So if somebody, and these days this relates completely to my teaching, when somebody comes to me and they have a particular tension pattern and I call it a muscle affectation, I can see it in their face, in their body, and I can hear it in the sound of their voice. So when their voice is affected by a particular tension pattern, it tells me exactly what went on in the past to create that tension pattern. So for instance, with anxiety or trauma or PTSD or even um, mental, physical, emotional, sexual abuse manifests in certain ways in the body and then it's, it's caught and stuck in the body in those certain areas. So for me, for instance, the tummy muscle for me was really, really tight because I was constantly holding my tummy in and then that would give tension to my larynx and then the whole of my throat muscle would would um, collapse inwards and then I'd, I'd be speaking and singing like that. And that was all just nervousness, patterns, trauma, you know, all that sort of stuck in the body. And because of all that and singing and dancing and acting and all that through it, it caused so much tension and so much damage that I eventually lost my voice. And that set me on a path for the next 20 years to find my voice again, but in a much more healthier and strong way. So I could then go and sing and dance and do whatever I wanted to without having any tension, but also having no anxiety. 
Mm. And that was a huge, huge, huge journey. That's why I have three degrees and that's why I constantly study and and that's why it's brought me to this place back in Australia after all this, these years away. I was away overseas for 20 years as a performer. Wow. And then when I came home, I was so determined to give up performing and then just focus on giving my expertise and my experience and my love and my knowledge and my passion for this to my students. And so a huge part of that is helping people move through anxiety to confidence using their voice as a vocal instrument of expression. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's so much. No, there's just so much in that that I recognize in so many people with the tension and the you know those psychological issues being yeah. a block for their confidence and and their performance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it can happen, the the vocal blocks, or really it's, we're talking about psychology here. Yeah. The, in all of my courses, I have online courses, and the very first module of all of them is always going to be the psychology behind your sound. Because when we, when we have a blockage of some sort, it's going to manifest in a particular way, but it always comes from psychology from familial conditioning, from whatever happened in the past, from our mindset, from the way that we believe and think about ourselves, that's going to absolutely affect the sound. So when I'm working with somebody, I'm working on the mechanics, of course, but as we all know from our coaching backgrounds, is that mechanics mm. is sometimes only 20% and mm. psychology yes. is <laughs> yeah. So if I teach people all these, like, do this, do that, do the other, it's all well and good, but if their psychology is still saying to them when they stand on stage, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm going to mess up, what if I say something stupid, blah, all that little chat, 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 chat that we have on that in our brain, the person is going to go and clam up again. So it's always the psychology that gets us into trouble. It's not usually the mechanics. The mechanics will get you into trouble on stage or on camera if you don't have the right muscle memory in place and that's a big part of what I do. Once the muscle memory is yep. in place, we can override the psychology to a large degree. Uh, you said there that uh, you have your three degrees and that you now help people you work with clients. What is it that you do now? What I do now? Hmm. I do many things. Mostly it falls into about three categories. The very first category is corporate speakers and presenters. So these people already like coaches, trainers, um, motivational speakers, business coaches, they're speaking on a regular basis and they're on stage or on camera on a regular basis. Now those types of people, because they're very high performance speakers, they have a great responsibility to be able to turn up for their clients day in, day out and deliver great material. Now, if they've blown out their voice because they were shouting too much or too engaging or too inspiring or whatever it was from the wrong muscles, they're going to lose their voice and the next day they won't be able to speak. Yep. Mm. And a really great example of that, of course, is going to a Tony Robbins event. If you guys have ever been to a Tony <laughs> Robbins event, you will know how quickly people lose their voices, yeah. right? They just do. They're, and even in the participation side of things, He's encouraging us the whole time to scream and yell and, you know, play full out, which is all well and good. But if you are not vocally trained, you may lose your voice playing full out because you're doing it the wrong way. 
Right. So I teach a lot of those trainers and I saw, I also teach two of Tony Robbins' best speakers and they've been with him for 20 years and they've been with him all over the world and they do about 14 events with Tony every single year and they have a great responsibility to their clients to make sure that they can stand on that stage for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours, whatever it is, and then the next day they still have to have a voice. They can't afford to lose their voice. So at that level... Those types of people, I do rehabilitation, voice care, voice health and hygiene and teach them what to eat, what to drink, how to prepare, how to warm up, how to maintain the instrument and how to not blow it out mm-hmm. in such a high-performance state. That's, that's super important to me. And in this, along the same lines but a slightly different perspective is for my singers and actors, it's another group of people that I work with and some of them are mid-level singers and actors that may be using their voice incorrectly or they're they're going to the next level. And some of them, for instance, are TV presenters or actors on film or actors on stage or singers on stage and they need to know how to use their instrument to the best of their advantage so they can do eight shows a week and they don't lose it. So that's a slightly different take on it, of course, because I'm involving singing, which is my main and first instrument is is really singing. Mm-hmm. And then the last group of people that I work with are my my pet loves. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm going with my life, I think, as as I get older, is finding your voice for your passion and purpose. So this is the group of people like me when I was young and, and insecure and had all those issues, there are people my age with these issues. It's incredible. But to give an example of this is exactly the type of person I really want to break through the blockages of self-expression that they have. And it could be physical, mental or, or emotional, right? This lady has worked in her own business with her husband for 20 years and she works in the automotive industry. So she's behind the counter. She's serving clients. She is working right next to her husband. But she sort of speaks like that the whole time. And, it, and she gets this way. So she's yep. got this voice yep. that's got no grounding, that doesn't sound like a leader. It doesn't sound like a business owner. She sounds like a little scared rabbit that she's so afraid to be shot that she won't speak up and she won't be seen. Yes, I know exactly mm. the type of person. I can hear that voice. Yeah, and you hear it a lot yeah. and you hear it a lot in women. Yes. In women who have had some sort of trauma in their life and it usually happens early to mid-teens or it could happen early childhood to pre-verbal and they can't really put a hand on why they, they had to survive that way and, and de- develop that sound. But that will really be locked in so early in life and if then you marry somebody who continues that pattern of I'm stronger than you, I'm bigger than you, I'm more important than you, be quiet, you have nothing interesting to say. Oh, no. Or bullying. Yeah, right. Or trauma. It's going to shut them down. Mm. And when they shut down, they live a half a life, not even. I mean, it's it's. they come into my studio crying. It's, it's that big. It's like literally taking over their entire life. And these people are are the perfect imposter syndrome type people. They're actually at work doing great. You know, they're running businesses. They're in corporate. They're sitting around a conference table having a board meeting. They're CEOs, they're managers. And these people are living with this constant anxiety that's going on inside their bodies that's causing them not to speak up and out when they need to. 
And and that's who wants to live like that? It's just frightening. Mm. And that's a huge portion of people, and I'm seeing more and more and more in that group set. So, and that's why the, I wrote the book, Find Your Voice, The Ten Steps from Anxiety to Confidence for Aspiring Speakers, because I put all of the little tools in place that I've used over 30 years of my career and put them into tangible steps so people can actually do this on their own. You know, it takes bravery and it takes courage, but you can do it. Yep. Yeah, right. Wow. And I, um, it's interesting you talk about that has come from something in their past because I have probably always recognized that as something oversimplified, of course, as just lack of confidence. But it's more than that. It's much more than that, yeah. There's a reason that people are lacking in confidence. There's a reason. There's always a reason. I don't think we're born. I used to think that we were born with lack of confidence. I was born with lack of confidence. I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. I did believe it for a long, long time. But I think that the conditioning and the things that happened to us early in life set us up for that pattern. And if we see that from our parents as well, and then we're in a position where that is just reinforced over our life again and again and again, mm-hmm. of course we're going to start believing that. Yeah. I, I honestly thought I must be one of those poor people that was born with no confidence and lacking confidence and no self, self-esteem and couldn't speak up and out for myself. Maybe that's me. That Maybe that's the type of person that I am. But I've come to realise that that was just a pattern that I created that I created in my mind. It's a pattern that I created in my body as well. And I see this in my in my clients when we when we have a, a neurological pattern, a neurological pathway that leans towards negativity and whining, for instance, that pattern is very strong in people. And the only reason it's strong is because the brain keeps going there, and the brain keeps it's a very well worn path, and they've learned it from somewhere. And the more that we do that, the more that we're going to do that. Mm. So it's all about breaking those habits and I realised over time that that's just my neurological pathway that I have created for X, Y, Z reasons and that can be shifted and it takes time. Mm. It takes time and commitment and belief that you can do it but I've seen the change in myself and I've seen the change in my clients so I know now that it's possible. It's not just Mm -hmm. I was born insecure and I was born lacking in confidence. I I don't believe that anymore not true yeah right oh that's a totally different way of looking at confidence that is um Mm. very interesting it's an interesting topic you know it's it's fascinating how how little people know about the voice really on a on a grand scale they think oh voice coaching what do i need voice coaching for yes maybe to project or not to get a soft throat or something or learn i don't need to learn singing why do i need to have a voice coach it is quite interesting how people have yeah. no idea. <laughs> they have no idea the unpacking that you have to do to get to the core. Yes, absolutely. Of what's really going on. And, and even in what we do, someone just saying you need to look after your voice and warm up and probably have a, a very basic level compared to yourself. I remember, I remember I had a friend, he was an auctioneer. He was doing auctions outside, which is basically, I think, the worst environment to speak into. Um, and he was getting, obviously, having to project a huge amount and was losing his voice after about 30 minutes. And and he asked me, and I, I sent him down to you, Elise. Mm-hmm. I remember sending him down to a consultation. Oh, that was Chad. Was it Chad? Oh, Chadwick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did. I think we only did, um, I think we only did one session together, yeah. but he also bought my book and and did some work with that 
But he, yeah, he really listened, which was good. Auctioneers need voice work. They do. Mm. They, they just work, especially when you're in that outdoor environment. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm. Nobody should be working in that sort of outdoor environment with no microphone. It's just it's too hard on the voice. It's, it's a terrible strain. But if you, if you don't access the correct muscles, the back pressure, the resonance, the support, if you don't do all that, you're going to blow out your voice very quickly. And I hear that very often. 30 minutes is very common for people to lose their voices mm. and it really doesn't have to be, really doesn't have to be. And I think a lot of people think that that's just a hazard of the job. That's just something that happens. There's no way around it. There's just is. That's right. Which is yeah, yeah, crazy now that I hear you talk about it. Yeah, well, I just bumped into a neighbour actually out the front when I was walking my dog this morning and I heard him speaking to his kids. He was like, okay, get in the car. Oh. I said, oh, my God, what happened to your voice? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, I'm a coach. I was coaching for eight hours yesterday. Oh. I said, so? So we all have to coach for eight hours a day sometimes and sometimes 12 hours a day we have to speak on. There's no excuse for you, you to lose your voice. You're doing something wrong. It can be fixed. I said, I live right here. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ways to prospect your client. <laughs> But it breaks my heart. I mean, it's not about getting mm. another client. It breaks my heart because these people earn their money from their voice. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? If you've got six clients, how is he going to serve another six clients and do eight hours of coaching tomorrow when he sounds like that? If he speaks on top of damage like that, he's forcing and squeezing and pushing even more, creating more damage, then it's going to take a lot more one day to fix it's going to take at least yeah. three to five days to heal if there's no permanent damage and that takes a long time five, three to five days is a long time to be out of the equation if you've got a business oh it really oh, yeah. is sometimes when there's more damage than than that if the voice doesn't return in three to five days and you're still pushing it well you're going to end up sounding like tony robbins and he's struggling, as we all know. I mean, we can hear the sound of his voice. He's struggling now because he's he's really damaged his voice really badly. He is so husky. Yeah, he's really husky. And mm -hmm. it, he's got permanent voice damage and he explains that in his, his seminars now. So he has to have a lot of other speakers take over for him. Right. Yeah. Right. It's wow. good for me because they're my comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now I'm looking after the other people. <laughs> So I'd like to know, is it possible for someone to change their voice? I know that my voice is quite airy and I'd like it to be more clear. Or we talked about someone earlier who has quite a weak voice. How much is just basic anatomy? That's just what my body is built like. And how much is trainable and changeable? That's a great question because I always have this this conversation with my students. It's between nature and nurture. It's mm -hmm. always going to be a combination. The things that we cannot change is the size of our instrument, for instance. We cannot change the shape of our nose unless you have a nose job. <laughs> but even that may not change a lot, right? We can't change the shape of our resonant cavities in the roof of the mouth or behind the teeth. The teeth actually and the space within the mouth make a, a huge difference in people's um, sound. Right. I imagine just ask Freddie Mercury, right? Oh, yeah, that's a really, really great example. All those teeth. Mm. That would have coloured the sound a lot more. So, And apparently there's been a study done. I was listening to this study in the conservatorium. People with an, ov an not an overbite, the jaw that sticks out more. 
um, what's underbite? Yeah, underbite. So the jaw is sort of pushed more forward. Apparently, they have a more resonant ring to their sound. Right. But wow, that's really interesting. So all those things we can't change, of course, mm-hmm. but we can change airflow. We can change resonance. We can change pitch. We can change volume. We can change color of the sound. We can make it as loud as we want if we want to make it really annoying. Or we can make it as airy as we want if we just allow airflow through the vocal folds. Or we can shout, yeah, like as much as we want. Sorry if I picked the microphone. Or <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that we can do with our voice that we don't take into consideration because we think we're born with the voice that we're born with. Yep. But it's just not true. Mm. How do you think actors do all those amazing accents and then play all those crazy cartoon characters in the Disney movies. Yeah. Yes. They have these, and we have to listen really carefully to see who it is because they're not sounding like themselves. Know what I mean? Because they're moving their spaces. So a lot of that stuff that I fix on a regular basis is when somebody comes to me and says, I don't like the sound of my voice because, and a lot of the time, the complaint is going to be too airy, which is very normal. Mm-hmm. It's either too deep or too high, um, too pointy or squeezed or squeaky mm-hmm. or something I get from girls mm-hmm. in um, the upper register. And for guys, uh, throaty tension um, and no resonance and no projection. So they'll lose their voice when they're trying to project because they're projecting from the wrong muscles. Now, all of that is just a shift so you can absolutely learn so much about voice and you can change the color and the strength and the resilience and the flexibility. There's, there's a lot that you can change. It's really quite amazing how much you can change it. And it will still sound like you. Mm. This is what people are worried about. Oh, but if I change my voice, it's not going to be me. Well, I've changed my voice for every country that I've had to live in and every person that I've had to speak to when I was in a different country, I was living in Holland and I went to Holland with an Australian accent 20, 20 years ago or 1995. I moved to Europe, lock, stock and barrel, suitcase, baby. <laughs> I just moved to Europe, as you do when you're young and stupid, right? So I, I arrived and nobody could understand me, like nobody because yep. <laughs> of this yeah. silly accent. So I had to learn how to say things differently. So I couldn't say car and car park. In certain countries because they wouldn't understand what I said you'd have to say car Mm -hmm. you have to close it down Mm. so when you learn how to re reconstruct your sentences and change the sound just slightly so the person the listener can hear better it makes you think in a different way and I did that for multiple languages for multiple countries and then I moved to cruise ships and then America and then I had to constantly keep changing, listening to the person who was speaking to me match and mirror as much as I could so they could really clearly understand me. And that made a huge difference and that changed my ears. Yeah. yeah. I listen differently now because of that. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Um, it is our responsibility as speakers to speak so that other people can understand us. It's not it's not other people's responsibility to try and understand our accents or whatever. It's it's ours to to be understood. Yeah. Look, absolutely. And it can, it can keep people isolated from life mm. when they when they don't change their voice. I call I like one of my first courses was change your voice, change your life. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that because I I saw the debilitating effects of people in their life and in their business and their career path when they didn't change their voice for the better. Mm. Yeah. 
So a, a really simple example, two, well, two simple examples, if I may. Yeah. Please. There, one lady who was a French speaker, never a client, but I saw her at church all the time. She was a native French speaker, moved to Australia 20-odd years ago, and she had such a French accent that nobody could understand her. It was very nice and very beautiful. <laughs> You know, and the sound, I love the sound because I spent a lot of time in France and I was comfortable with that sound. But she kept on complaining every time I saw her. Nobody could understand her. She wanted to leave Australia. She couldn't get a job, blah, 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 wine, wine, wine. Well, you've been there for 20 years. Why didn't you do something about it? Mm. Mm. You from moving forward, you don't want to lose your beautiful accent. That's not important. But what's important is that people understand you. Yes. From everywhere. And it's a simple fix. And another great example is a, a student of mine who was a little bit bogany sounding, I must admit, <laughs> from Queensland. <laughs> I'm a bit of a sloppy talker, but he also had a lot of insecurity. So he was mumbling a lot yep. and speaking monotone a lot. Now, when he came to voice training with me and everything started to shift for him, the things that he came and complained about first was that his staff didn't listen to him. People don't listen when he speaks. And in fact, if he was in the middle of a conversation at a networking event or a party, he would they would literally start talking over him or see something else and move away from the conversation as though he didn't exist. I'm like, can you, can you imagine that people would do that to mm. you? You would be... They're going. I've seen those people. I understand them. Yep. I'm nothing. I'm not important. Nobody listens to me. And so they come with this complaint that nobody listens to me when I speak. Mm. I'm not compelling. I'm not interesting enough, whatever it is. That would become a vicious cycle, I imagine, as well, because then they're going to speak mm. less. And... That's exactly what happens. It becomes mm. this vicious cycle and then they start to doubt themselves. They start to not believe that they have something worthy to say and so they shut their mouth. And then they stop sharing and then, you know, so they can't get that promotion. Yeah. They won't speak to their staff. They might send an email instead and they'll just keep away from meetings and they'll avoid, avoid, avoid because they know what's going to happen when they go out there. So when I started working with him and I changed his, well, I help him change his mindset through his articulation, through back pressure, through support, through confidence building with improv exercises and things like that for acting and speaking, about eight weeks later, he came into the studio and he said, something really exciting happened today. And I said, what? What did that? What happened? And he said, well, I was having my morning meeting, you know, as I was instructing my girls what to do because he's got 10 staff members. And he said, for the first time, they actually listened to every word that I said. And then afterwards, three of them were having a, like a little in the corner, little hands meeting, you know, <laughs> and came over and said, okay, okay, you've changed something. Uh, I know, you've got a new haircut. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you've got a new tie. I mean, what What have you changed? We can't figure it out. We've been talking over here, but we can't figure out what you've changed. And he said, I haven't changed anything. And he was like happy as Larry yep. because they it didn't change his voice enough to make him sound like somebody else, mm. but it just changed his voice to get more authority, to be heard, to be seen like a leader, to be listened to. And it was the first time that he really, really, truly felt listened to in his whole life. And that was like, that's huge. That is so huge. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
feels like quite a subtle change, something that almost mm. for the listener is purely a psychological experience. They Like if they can't identify exactly what it is, but they feel that something is different and, and better about that person. Yeah. It feels quite subtle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we give these subtle clues to our listeners all the time. Yes. If you have a, a certain patterning and inflection in your voice that is giving the listener the idea that, you don't sound confident. You don't sound like you're convinced about what you're saying. It sounds like you're asking for permission. Mm. It sounds like you're sick. It sounds like you're depressed. You know, we have all these patterns and a lot of people don't know what they are. They just, they don't know it because they've not learned the patterns and that they, they, they hear it, they feel it from the listener's perspective, but the talker doesn't really understand what they're doing. They know there's something wrong but they don't know how to fix it. And as a lot of those people come to me for voice training because that all can be fixed. You just have to be very aware of what is the perception that you're giving to the listener because it may not be the perception that you want. Yes. And sometimes we find there's a bit of an attitude, you know, when we are teaching a presentation skills workshop, there's a bit of an attitude of, well, this is who I am. This is my personality. And if you don't like it, well, too bad. Mm. But that... (laughs) And I, I really struggle with that attitude because while, yes, it's great to be yourself, you still need to function with other people and you still need to communicate effectively with other people in society. So I, I like when people actually make changes that are going to make them a more effective communicator. And it sounds like the voice is just such a powerful place to start because it is your entire projection of your of your personality. Yeah, absolutely. And can I ask you a question about those people? Mm. Were were they happy with their life and completely fulfilled and were they working and functioning at the very highest level? I suspect not. They're few and far between, admittedly, but I suspect not. I mean, I can't say that for certain. Yeah. I mean, look, that's that would be the question that I I would always ask somebody. If if somebody, if a client is put into a room, and this has happened to me too, if a client is put into a room against their will <laughs> and said, you need voice training. Yeah. Like I've literally had clients that sit, you know, with their arms folded, completely cut off. <laughs> My dad made made me calm because of blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, I've had really huge clients, movie world type, huge clients who have sent me people and they've just not been interested. And if you're not interested, you're not going to make a change. Mm -hmm. So you have to really recognise, okay, why is it that I've been sent here? How is it impacting my life? How is it impacting my career path? And how is it impacting my communication with my loved ones? Now, if that is not really flowing really, really well, then changes are a good thing. But most people I find when they come to me because they're paying me and they're asking for my, (laughs) I know that I can be as harsh and as straightforward and as blunt as I need to be. And I ask permission to do that. Are you ready for this? Is this okay? Mm -hmm. And then we make the changes according to what I'm perceiving from just a listener's perspective. Because I know what's going to hold them back. Yep. I can see it. I can feel it. We can experience it as as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think every coach will understand the difference between people who have to be there and have been told to be there and those that are really invested and interested in making changes. Yeah, absolutely. And we see as well, like we, when we deal with, with technical experts, that sometimes the most technically brilliant you know, engineer or IT 
are not those who get promoted, mm. but those who can speak the best. So, I mean, for us, that comes from a presentation perspective and getting the ideas out of the head and out of the mouth and into somebody else's head. But obviously that happens through the voice as well. So having having control and having understanding and awareness around the use of the voice as well, I imagine is going to play into that possibly just as much. Absolutely. Well, as they say, 93% is not the words that you say, mm. it's how you say it. Yes. It's all about the inflections and the tone and the facial expressions and the pitch and the volume and, and all that. I mean, you can say, um, I love you. <laughs> you know, it comes very, very differently if I texted that and that's what I meant, you fucker. <laughs> 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 It's like if you're angry with someone, it's like, I love you, damn it. You know, don't you understand that? If you wrote it on the text, you would not yep. hear that, right? Yep. You don't know what's going on. That's how I speak to my son at 2 a.m. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you so much. Oh, damn it. I love you so much. It's just so different. You know, it's, like, it's all in the way we say it all mm. the time. And, it, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't matter how experienced you are or what your level of expertise is. If you speak well, it'll get you a lot further than expertise alone. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's got to be true, right? Yeah. So if I can, if I can maybe change topic very slightly here, um, I think we nearly touched on this, but what are, what are the most common problems, maybe the most common two or three problems that you see when it comes to using our voices? Okay. The most common problems that I see in business speaking, mm -hmm. yep. which is a lot of my, my business, is usually throat tension. Mm -hmm. And when, when they have throat tension, they're trying to produce and push the sound when they're projecting from the throat muscles. And we all know when we've heard the term belly breath, Yep. or diaphragmatic breathing or whatever it was. But that's such a very small part of the equation. They don't understand that there's a lot more to the jigsaw puzzle than just taking a belly breath. It's not going to fix the throat tension necessarily. So throat tension is a huge thing for public speakers, for motivational speakers, for people at a very high level, especially if they're yelling, and, and for the auctioneers as well. Fitness mm. instructors, great example. Yep. You know, they're yelling for hours sometimes. Yeah. You know, so at auction and so do motivational speakers. And a lot of them will have the such a bad technique that their throat will just completely close down, squish the trachea, squish the actual vocal fold um, vibration pattern inside the voice box. And when that happens, you get that. You get sort of a squeezed splayed sound instead of a clear mm -hmm. projected sound. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I hear. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I hear, especially in my Australian clients, but also in my shy clients, it could be anywhere in the world, is a lack of articulation. And when we have a lack of articulation, it leads to a few things. Mostly it leads to mumbling and a nasality in the sound. That sounds Australian, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Close your jaw. Like literally just close your jaw and don't open it. Yeah, this, then my my sound has to go on like my nose and it sounds completely different. And is that the Australian accent? Yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We, we, we squish our vowels, right? We don't. So if you say, if you look at the word school and pool, brilliant examples <laughs> of our horrible language, we go school pool we make, we make it sound <laughs> like it's got an ew and something smells really bad 
Yep. <laughs> it, it sounds like we've added a diphthong in there with like an E that becomes an O, like it yeah. morphs over time there. Yeah, and because yeah. of the, the two sounds that we have in, in lots of vowels, the diphthongs, we we just squish them and they we, they just sound awful. And when you don't, the bottom line is, look, you, when you don't open your mouth properly, when you don't use your articulation, it's going to go nasally or if you're shy, it's going to go mumbly. Yep. It's going to be mumbly and monotone. Mm. The shyness will come out in different ways, but a lot of the time it'll be lack of articulation and monotone. So that's when the articulators are, are put in. And when... um. And another one, I suppose, I would say generalised tension patterns. If people mm. don't have volition over their muscles properly, they'll have different tension patterns in their body. And some people have a massive tension pattern around their abs. Skinny people, bodybuilders, people who are insecure will tense up their abs. And the second that you tense up the abs, it goes straight to the larynx and that creates tension in a different way. So it doesn't matter how loud you speak. It doesn't matter how quiet you speak. If you've got that tension pattern and you're not breathing correctly, if you have the breathing patterns of somebody who's nervous or panicky, you will absolutely be holding that tummy muscle in and trying to breathe from the upper chest muscles here and the sternocleidomastoids are going to be involved and all those neck muscles and you're going to be snatching breaths into the upper respiratory tract and you cannot power your voice from that way you cannot yeah right you'd have to do it really small like that so the sound is going to change so it's, it's usually a combination of tension patterns and psychology mm. that is the three biggest things that mm. that come into my studio always and the australian accent yeah <laughs> well I'm the australian accent. but a lot of the time the australian accent will be will be paired with some sort of psychological thing going on that's making them sound like that Hmm. like because if you really think about it the Australian accent in itself is not an issue if you're a farmer or if you're living in the country and you don't care about the way you speak Hmm. and and your voice has never been an issue for you Hmm. it's not a problem yeah but the people who come to me are the people who want to speak who need to lead who need to run a boardroom meeting, who need to be an author or a speaker for whatever reason, they feel compelled to share their message with the world. That's the people that really need to slightly change the Australian accent so that they're more effective in their business. I mean, that's all it is. It's it's all about propelling your career forward and becoming the person that you need to be so you can reach your goals and fulfill your purpose. I mean, yes. it's, it's all really about a bigger purpose. So we have touched on it a couple of times over this conversation, but why do people lose their voices? How does that actually happen? Oh, the phys- the physicality of it? Yeah. Yeah, um, mostly because when the vocal folds are closing, if you put your hands together like that, you'll notice that the vocal folds, when you look down through a camera, through the, the um, throat, the vocal folds wave like this, right? Now if we wave... If the flag is, fl- I call this the flag flying, if you if you move your vocal folds in that beautiful wave motion and they continue in a very gentle, beautiful wave powered by the correct airflow and the correct muscles, nothing will happen and it's all good. But the second that we push externally from the external laryngeal muscles, so all the muscles around the neck can squeeze against the larynx and then cut off the supply of air to the way that the vocal folds are moving, suddenly you've got pressed phonation so when you're pressing your vocal folds together uh, 
with too much force using external laryngeal muscles and internal laryngeal pressure, then you're going to be strangling your vo your voice box in other words so if you were going to the gym and, and pulling too many weights too fast and you pulled a muscle it's exactly the same type of thing but what happens yep. in the vocal folds instead of pulling a muscle you usually get a huge amount of swelling because they're tiny tiny little vocal folds and they're made of muscle ligament and cartilage and they're filled with fluid and they need to be covered with an epilethum that's um that's fluid filled and very gel like in substance. Mm -hmm. When a damage occurs like that, the first thing they do is swell. Yep. They swell to protect themselves. Like any part of the body. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so when they, they put blood and fluid there, then you end up getting that because now they're uh -huh. closed properly because they're filled with fluid and swelling and maybe extra blood. And so they literally can't close. So what do we do? We force the we force the issue. We force them to try harder and then we force more and then we try harder and so you bring in more damage and more damage. So the more that we bang the vocal folds together like that with force over time creates permanent damage. So now you get little bumps on in, on the inside of the vocal folds called nodules or nodes Yep. or you can get literally a ruptured vocal fold that bleeds. So Stephen oh came off stage one day. And Adele, same thing. I think she... So Adele's quite famous for having... Yeah, I can't remember whether she had nodules or whether she had a ruptured blood vessel. Oh. I'll, I'll look it up, actually, because that's really quite interesting. But I saw the operation from Stephen Tyler. Yeah, Thomas is going all weak at the knees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just, like, I mean, you know, you, you can obviously hear when somebody's, um, you know, cooked their voice, but... Oh, that description just makes it so yeah. much worse. Well, That's all. Yeah, from Aerosmith, literally spitting up blood. I mean, oh, he wow. knew something was going on. He can't, and he ruptured a vocal fold. That's serious, you know. Yeah. You, that's a serious damage. So you have to go and get it fixed physically with a surgeon, a skilled surgeon, hopefully, to get it repaired, and then you have to go through rehabilitation for weeks. Can you just imagine like any other occupation doing that? Like if you had uh, like like a labourer, like a player or something who, you know, did something, did an injury to their back and then just kept pushing through and pushing through, like they're going to end up in a wheelchair, right? Like surely, surely this is not wildly different. The tool that you're using, the, you know, the carbon-based body we all live in. I mean. I mean you know why? Because you can't see it. Mm. If you drop my arm off yeah. from a hazard yep. at work, you can see it's like, oh, I lost yeah. my arm in an my injury, you know, and and you'd have to deal with that. But we can't see this. We can't see what we're doing. Mm. So people just and we don't understand the damage. No, they don't understand the damage. They can't see it. They can't tangibly see it, and so they think it's just going to magically fix. So that that leads to the question: How how do we look after our voices? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first things first. You've got to make sure that you're getting enough vocal rest. If you are a speaker and you're speaking for many, many hours, you've got to make sure that you have at least a few hours vocal rest at the end of every day. You need to have a really good vocal regime in place. So that includes, for instance, drinking enough water, making sure that you're hydrated before you go on stage and then hydrate again after you get off stage. Mm -hmm. And if you're on stage for many, many hours, make sure you stay hydrated throughout the day. And then when you have a break, go and steam. The steaming is going to be your very best friend. If you are a high really? voice user, you've got to steam. 
uh, tell me about tell me about this. How do you steam? What is that? And just the old fashioned way, you literally put. Well, my 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 clients don't have time to get a pot. So say you have a kettle backstage. Say you do, mm. and you have a mm-hmm. cup. That's the easiest way. So you put the hot water in the cup and literally put your face over the top of it. And with your mouth, you breathe the steam directly through your vocal folds. Nothing in the water, just hot water and hot steam. And you breathe the steam straight into your vocal folds. And that gives it some extra moisture and helps them relax with the warmth. Very good for the voice. Right. Highly, highly recommended. Tip of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Water steaming and also a good warm-up regime would be great. Mm. Warm-up and cool down is just as important because when you're using the vocal folds, in thick vocal fold closure for a long length of time, they get very tired. So when you have a stretching, mm. like like yoga, after you walk, after you done yep. a really hard workout, you would do a stretch, yep, right, mm. and then some yoga. Well, we do the same thing with our voice. You warm up, mm. and then you cool down. So if we are sick or we've lost our voice, but we still absolutely need to speak, if we have a presentation or something coming up, what can we do? How can we actually help that? I mean, steaming obviously sounds like one of the things to do for sure. Absolutely. If you're if you're sick, you need to get onto something that will kill the bacteria straight away. And I would highly recommend something like olive leaf extract or colloidal silver Ooh, spray. Okay. So if you've got a throat, something going on with your throat, it's usually going to be a throat infection, a chesty infection, or a cold, or something like that. If it's if it's if it's around the respiratory area, yep. then something like olive leaf extract or colloidal silver are really good because it, it's antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, and mm-hmm. it's going to kill things really fast. But then you still got to speak. Yeah. So the thing that you have to do is steam first and then keep warm water on the side of the stage. So the warm water with with um, lemon helps cut through the mucus because we always have a lot of a lot more mucus and that can be a huge issue is the inflammation yeah. folds in the mucus from the coughing and things like that. You don't want to take too many drugs because it will dry out your entire system. So even though you might think that having a cold or a flu, you want to take codrol, the problem is it's going to dry out the the um, the vocal fold cover, right? As well, so then you go croaky very quickly. You'll get even more croaky really quickly. So it's a lot better that you get through your speaking engagement with maybe just a couple of Panadol, but nothing that will dry out the mucus. So no anti. Um, antihistamines, um, no codrol cold tablets, no anti-inflammatories, things like that. Two Panadol if you have pain and then steam, steam, steam and do a really good warm-up. You have to warm up twice as much. Right. And then okay. as soon as you finish, then you would steam again. Mm-hmm. You would steam again and then you can take your medications and then drink some more water and then just go and rest. Right. That's counterintuitive to me. Counterintuitive? Um, to not take the – it's counterintuitive to not take the anti-inflammatories because everything's kind of swollen. Yeah. To not take anything that's going to dry you out and kind of clear your nasal passages to me. Yeah, use a, a nasal spray that's not medicated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like a saline. Yeah, the saline solution is absolutely the, the safest because if you, if you think of those nasal sprays that clear up the nasal passages, the first thing they do is dry and shrink the mucosal lining. Yeah. Now, if you have accidentally breathed that in your throat muscles, guess what? It goes right past the vocal folds. Right. So you do because when you're sniffing up a nasal, a nasal, right? We go like that. If it's not sniffed only up in here, but it goes into the throat, into the throat, yeah. which happens a lot when you're trying to sniff something back hard enough to get, you know, clear the mucus, you'll sniff it straight into your vocal folds. 
and it's going to dry out your vocal folds immediately. Right. So then you'll try to speak and then you're, you're going to lose your voice very quickly because mm-hmm. you go croaky very fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that is counterintuitive. And I think I would probably, and saying this now sounds a bit silly, but I would probably avoid a warm-up because that is using your voice, but you're saying it's twice as important. You've got to do twice as much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to struggle unless you, if you haven't done the warm up, you're going to struggle around mucus and around the inflammation. So once you've done a good 10 minute warm up and flexibility exercises, that will get the voice sort of working enough for you to get through yep. and then do your cool down exercises at the end and then steaming. You will get through. I mean, you may, you may sound a little different yeah. and you actually have to engage all your muscles in your body much harder and try your damned as not to push your voice because mm-hmm. the second you try to push past that croakiness and the the inflammation and stuff the second you do that from here from the vo- from the vocal fold level you're going to get even worse you're going to lose your voice yes yep so really looking after your voice just so carefully and extremely important and i assume um this is what i do when i'm sick as much as possible complete vocal rest complete silence yeah is that correct yep mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can, yes. not, not all of us have that advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not all the time. <laughs> yeah, we can't all do that. I mean, I've, I've sung and spoken through many, many illnesses and there's nothing much you can do about it. Mm. Um, with, with Even with the, the show that I just did, for six weeks I was on, I mean, sorry, not for six weeks, for about four or five months I was on tour. But at the end of the tour we all got really, really run down because we were doing a, a different town and a different show every – I mean, not – different show a different town and a different theater every single day with the same show so you can imagine so we had a lot of ground to cover we were in the the bus for six hours a day in a hotel every single night on stage every single night and we were tired Mm. you know vocally physically mentally all the time away from all our families and blah 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 so at the end of the tour about five months later we all started to get sick and we caught it off each other because we're sitting in a bus all day right So one girl completely lost her voice for six weeks, had laryngitis for six Whoa. weeks and literally couldn't sing the show. So we had to put a track in to cover her her spot. But luckily <laughs> we recorded everything previously for, you know, for yep. quality control. I think mm. they were sending it back to our American production company. So we had the tracks and they, they slotted that in, which was great. But then the three of us were all, we didn't lose our voices, but we were all croaky and coughing and choking mm. and sneezing and, mm. and doing all this on stage. Yeah. We were trying to get away with it. You know, your noses would be dripping or itching oh, or something. No. And you're in the middle of a line or in the middle of a song, it's like. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. So we had all this stuff. I mean, this is my best friend. Look, I have this with me everywhere. This went on tour with me. A steam inhaler. Yeah. Nice. Takes care of your voice when you're sick. So all of us were backstage sucking on us. (laughs) (laughs) For six weeks we were all trying to get our voices back to to health. But, yeah, that was our best friend. Yep. Um, So for those who don't have the visuals on that, Elise has got a what looks like the bottom of a spray bottle but then it has like a little mask on top and just you put some – water hot water in there and the steam would come up and you put that mask bit over your nose and mouth and inhale the steam literally a a steam inhaler yeah Mm. and it's called yeah it says steam inhaler portable and reusable bostistos and it's just bought in australia at the chemist nice i think that would be quite handy um so elisa if there was just one thing that somebody listening to us today could do at home to improve their voice what would it be one thing Mm. Mm. 
be mindful, like be super mindful of how you sound and how it feels every single day and start recording your voice on audio and listening to it back. So you can really get the feeling that other people get when they listen to you. You can get the perspective of the listener. What is the perception that you're giving to the listener when you speak? Right. Yep. Right. I would say that would be the, you know, the easiest and quickest way to, to make some changes. And, of course, they can jump on my website, make a free consultation with me anytime, buy a book. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of ways that they can work with me as well. Excellent. We'll definitely link to all of your stuff on our show notes for sure. Yes. So is there a book that has had an impact on the way that you speak or perform or facilitate? No, not really yeah, right. because mine is all from experience and from study. Yes. Like doing my, my degrees and stuff. A lot of my my career has been based around extracurricular activities in learning and extra education and constantly doing trainings and workshops and classes and mm. there's no one person that I would say. Um, Observatorium had a huge impact on me. That was a really great three-year degree that I did, my master's in voice. That was a huge impact on me. And also the master's uh, I did in America in holistic healing and spiritual counselling, I, I use all of that every day in the voice studio. I'm who'd have yeah. thought. So it's not, yeah, it's not one particular book, I'm afraid. No. No, that's fine. I mean, you you are the person who writes the book on all of this stuff, I guess. Yeah. So um, that does actually make sense. And you have the degrees and the qualifications. Yeah, look, I, and I wrote them from that perspective, just from, a you know, an average hmm. girl who had all this experience and, and went through a lot of pain and I don't want people to go through the same pain. Yeah, right. And that's why I, I developed my courses and that's why I wrote my book. So for all of your courses, your books, and to book any time with you, where can people find you? elisajames.com, E-L-I-S-A-J-A-M-E-S.com. And then there's a booking page there, and they can also find my online courses and purchase a book from Amazon. Excellent. Super simple. Simple and easy. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Elisa, for being on the podcast today. I've, I've had a great time sitting and listening to your experience and your expertise and those few tips and tricks. It's been good fun. Thank you very much for being on the Presentation Boss podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, that was so interesting. Thank you so much, Elisa. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a recommendation for someone you'd love to hear from in this show or think you have something of value you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts and take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. All right, I've got recording going and it all looks smooth. Right, nobody nobody touch anything or breathe. Yeah. <laughs>